Hey, I'm Zach. Thanks so much for checking out this week's message. I hope that it encourages you. I hope it challenges you. And I hope that it causes you to dive deeper into God's Word. I also hope that you have some community around you that you can talk through some of these things with. And if you don't, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our community here at Restore, whether that's coming to one of our Sunday gatherings or coming to one of our Restore groups. Either way, we would love to see you. You can get more information about that on our website at RestoreAustin.org. And I hope you enjoyed this week's video. So, as I just alluded to, we have been in this series, this new series called Commissioned, and we started it last week. And it's really a look at what it really means to live our lives as a part of God's great mission. So, we said that God is on this beautiful mission of restoration, and His incredible plan, the truth about His incredible plan is that He shares the good news, the grace, the hope, and love of his son Jesus Christ with the world through us. Through us. That is his big plan. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 from last week. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's our ministry now that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Listen to this last verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. That's his plan. God making his appeal, telling people about this ministry of reconciliation, about his son Jesus through us. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all supposed to be on street corners with megaphones yelling at people. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be in front of thousands of people preaching the gospel messages and inviting people down to accept Christ. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that. I think for the vast majority of us, it doesn't mean that. It simply means that we are available to be used by God on his mission in the everyday rhythms of our lives, things that we're already doing, things that we're already a part of. We just say, God, how would you maybe use this in your great mission of restoration? And I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. I really have two goals in this series. I have no desire to make you this great evangelist, this person who is traveling around on street corners or preaching to thousands of people. I really just have two goals, and the first one is this. Equip and encourage you to live a questionable life. That might sound a little bit strange that you want to live in a questionable way, but here's what I mean by that. A questionable life is simply using our everyday rhythms to live in such a way that people ask, why? Why would you live like that? So in a world that is always spewing hate for the people that disagree with them, living counterculturally, living in a questionable way is speaking love instead, even to people that you might not disagree with. In a world that's always putting themselves first, always thinking, how is this best for me? A questionable life is saying, how is this best for someone else? How can I put my neighbor first? How can I serve them? In a world that usually spends all their money on the newest and nicest stuff and is all about accumulating and more and more and more, living in a questionable, countercultural kind of way, is just giving stuff away, giving money to those in need, helping people when they're down, worrying less about yourself, worrying more about others. These are highly questionable things. And when you live this way, people will inevitably ask, why? Why would you ever do that? Why would you not save up for the new car and instead give 
money to homeless people on that corner? Why, instead of getting in these angry debates on Facebook, would you just post things about, I disagree with you, but I love you? Why would you do that? It's questionable. And so when the questions inevitably come, my second goal in this series is to prepare you to answer the questions that come from living a questionable life. First Peter 3.15 puts it this way, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Like we said last week, when people ask you, why are you living in this questionable way? You really just, all you need to say is it's because of Jesus. And then you tell them your story. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. Here's the thing, living a commissioned life, living a life as a part of God's great mission is not a complicated thing. I think it's simply living questionably in the everyday rhythms of your life and then being ready to answer when the questions come. Tell your story. You and Jesus, if you've said yes to him, if you've placed your faith in him, you and Jesus have a story. And so when you live in these questionable ways and somebody asks why, you just tell them your story. And so as a part of this series, we are going to hear some people's stories. These six stories over these six weeks represent all different kinds of people from all different kinds of places, different backgrounds, different vocations, different experiences. And I said this last week, but it's worth saying again, these are not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but they're doing their very best moment by moment to allow the Holy Spirit to lead them into living this questionable life on God's mission. So this week, Ron Beach is gonna share his story with us. So why don't you come on up, Ron? Why don't we give him a big hand as he comes up? So Ron is on our prayer team. Um, he has this incredible passion for, here, we can scoot this over for you. This is incredible passion for sharing the good news. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'd stay away too. He has this incredible passion for sharing the good news of Jesus with everybody that he encounters. He's become really a great friend and a great encouragement over these last few months that I've known him. And I'm so excited that you're going to get to hear from him today. So, Ron, I'm just going to start off by asking you to, to give us the three-minute story, the three-minute version of your life. You're a young guy. So yeah. just... Yeah, so, so if I did three minutes, I'd probably do like two weeks. Like <laughs> but, uh, but I'll take a shot at that. My name is Ron. And I was born at a very young age in Ohio. <laughs> and I hesitated to say Ohio because I know some people are Texans and there's this Yankee thing going on. How many of you were not born in Texas? Oh, good, wow. good, good, good. Okay, so I lived in, in Ohio in the northeast part of the state in a sleepy little town. Nothing ever happened. And um, it was really a secure kind of quiet childhood growing up until I was about 12. And then some things happened. And you know, when you're 12, you don't know what all goes on, but there were these phone calls. And six months later, I, my family were migrant fruit workers on the Pacific coast. So as my high, in my high school years, I lived out on, uh, lived in Washington state, Oregon and California picking fruit. And so it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's a terrible thing to some people, but really it's pretty cool because um, it, always things were changing. One of the advantages of being a migrant worker was that you remember when you'd go in school and, and the teacher would give you an assignment and she'd be like, this is a semester long assignment. This project will take the whole semester. Those didn't bother me at all. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't be there at the end of the semester. You know, so, so that was cool. 
But so I lived in, in Washington State, did the, the fruit work, um, and moved around quite a lot uh, until I was 18. And then I moved to Arkansas and married my 16-year-old girlfriend. Yeah. So <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It, there's more story to it than that. But what you think is probably right, too. That's pretty crazy, right? Um, just, just to fast forward a little bit from that, I, um, we celebrated, Laura and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary 15 years ago. <laughs> and we're still together. So uh, um, I moved to Arkansas and, and got married. I um, got a steady job and a house two cars, bills, and I hated it. I hated it. It just didn't work with me, and it didn't work with her either, and so we sold the cars and got rid of the house and paid the bills, and we bought a school bus. And then, so for the next year, we lived in a school bus. We traveled around the country. We did things like, um, we lived on the coast, and I built kites that did these trick kind of things, and we'd sell the kites <laughs> for enough money to buy food and gas. I worked in a shell shop, and I can't say that very well, but um, I sold seashells for a while. <laughs> and, and mostly we traveled from one town to another and, and visited places, and we would just do whatever work we could find. At the end of about a year, we rolled into Austin, and um, technically we were homeless, but we had our home on our wheels. We parked along Town Lake, and so this was like back in the 70s, and nobody had a problem with that. We actually <laughs> stayed there for two weeks, wow. right along Town Lake. Um, and I worked the day labor jobs. And so I'd go out and, and do like maybe one day I'd go out. I don't know if you're familiar with day labor. I'd go out, and they'd send me out to a furniture factory, and I'd do furniture stuff. And then maybe I'd be loading trucks the next day, and, and then the next day I'd be shoveling sh stuff. <laughs> All the jobs weren't good, but I liked Austin, and so I decided to stay here. And so we did. We got uh, uh, settled in. I traded my bus for a motorcycle, and we started living the Austin life. Uh, and I was okay with that. And then, and then something happened one day, and I had a car, and I'm driving, I'm driving up IH-35, you know, right where the high road and the low road are. You know that awful decision you have to make every time, which is better? <laughs> Well, I was just about to make that decision. I looked in the rearview mirror, and in the back seat of my car was my wife. And that wasn't that startling, except she usually rode in the front. But next to her was a brand-new baby boy, my son. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was kind of like I woke up that day, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's more to life than just going on and doing what you want to do. And up to that point, I'd been married six years, up to that point... I really didn't care for kids. I mean, they're just like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> Somebody take care of this. But, but once I had my own son, that changed. And, and so did my perception and my perspective on life. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And there's some responsibility here. And, and so I got a steady job and a house and two cars and bills. And I loved it except for the steady job part of it. And so I... Um, I went ahead and, and, and did what I wanted to do, and that's I went to work for myself. And so I got, I, first off, just doing some service, some things for other people around me. And then eventually I developed into a, a business that I was servicing appliances. Um, and that was hard to make a living because by that point I had two kids. And then, uh, so I went and did some training and learned to be an auto mechanic. 
And I started doing that, and that's what I still do today. And I have my, I have my own shop, so I still work for myself. Um, I also have a third kid, so I've got three kids. I would tell you their ages, but it's, it's hard. Here's the problem, right? <laughs> they change them every year. <laughs> and, not, and not on the same date. So I can tell you this, I've got two of them that are above 30 and one that's below 30, and that's as close as I can get. I also have, and this is the really cool part because I started liking kids when I had my own, I also have four grandkids, right? Four grandkids, two and under. So I have a really blessed life in that way. Awesome, wow, you have had an incredible life. So far, um, there's a lot left to it. I didn't mean anything yeah. by that. Yeah. Thank you. You got a long way to go. I didn't mean that. My bad. <laughs> so we just talked about this idea of, of living a questionable life and what that means. So I want to ask you, what's your motivation for living a questionable life? Okay. So when I was, and I talked about being a sleepy little town in Ohio when I was a kid, um, we'd go to church every week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and in one week, we had some, an evangelist come. He was actually a missionary evangelist, and he came and, and he shared his story about what he was doing and what God had called him to do in some other country. I don't know his name. I don't know the country. I don't remember any of that. But I do remember that for the first time when I was about, I think I was nine, I heard the gospel message, and I understood that there was, a, there was something I needed to do to be right with God. And so that night when I got home, I prayed uh, and asked God to take my life, to, to, to use me, to be, for me to be who he wanted me to be. And at that same point, I realized that, that he was calling me to share Jesus with other people, like this guy was doing, but not just like this guy was doing, but there was still that call to do that. And so uh, as I talked with adults about it, Sunday school teacher and whatnot, they're like, well, you, you're called to be a missionary. God wants you to be a missionary. And so that was in my head, that was in the back of my mind, um, that that's, that's who God had called me to be. On those years out in Washington State, migrant fruit worker, um, we were part of a church initially there that I really was involved with and, and, and loved a lot, but it went through this really, really ugly split. And people said a lot of bad things about people and there was a lot of nastiness there and there was a, really a pressure to take sides and, uh, and I wouldn't do it. In fact, I walked away from all of it. And so for, there were a number of years that I had no relationship with God in terms of uh, me trying to follow him or in terms of me trying to share the gospel or anything like that. I was just like, I don't know about that stuff. I just know that the people that I thought were leaders in it turned out to be you know, not so good. And so it wasn't until after I had my own kids or about that same era that I realized that, that God's calling on me was still there. But and not just so, so much so for sharing the gospel, but, but he wanted me. And so I surrendered my life to him. And as an adult, for the first time, I realized what that really meant. And, uh, and he took me back because I had walked away from him. He took me back, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and then after that, the, the desire to be a missionary started growing in me. Again, the desire to share the gospel, to share the truth with people. If this is what, if, we, if I believe this to really be true, oh my gosh, what could be more important than that? And so, as a businessman, having, having my own business, I went about um, planning to be a missionary the way I had done business. And so, I, I kind of laid out, I literally laid out the things I would need to do to be a missionary. I figured I would need to learn to le the language of the people. 
I would need to learn the culture. I'd need to um, be able to work among the people, actually have a job among them so I could experience life like they did. Um, I'd need to learn to like their food and do things that they did for recreation. And so I remember distinctly one morning driving to work and I was like, Lord, maybe you're not understanding what I'm saying, but my understanding of you is you're looking for people to be missionaries. That's like your biggie and you want people to do that. And most people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. And here I am saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, send me. Are we not communicating here? I mean, I just, I really felt like that. And I was having that kind of conversation with God and, and the Holy Spirit showed me something and, and it wasn't audible words, but he, 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 he showed me this really clearly. And he said, what if I want you to be a missionary right where you are? What, what if people would talk to their mechanic that won't talk to a pastor? Would you be willing to do that? Is that something you do? And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, that is something I do. I mean, I know the language. I'm not good at it, but I know the language, <laughs> the culture. I, I love the food, you know, so we're, we're good there. And so really that changed my whole perspective of what a missionary was. And since that time, I have been... Um, I've been deliberate about seeing ways to engage people and to share the gospel in this culture. And so from my perspective, and, and I think from Zach's the same, the, the way to, to, to share the gospel is not with a megaphone, and it's not, for me, it's not from uh, a stage with thousands of people, but it's one-on-one -on -one engaging people and being a part of their life. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So that's the motivation behind it. That's kind of how you got to this desire, this push, this calling by God to live questionably. So how has that looked? What are some of the, the questionable rhythms in your life? Okay, so um, being a mechanic and talking to people at my shop, I have actually kind of an invitation for people to talk to me. And it's, I have a whiteboard in there, and I'll write a verse on there. Um, right now, my whiteboard says, Jesus came to give you abundant life. And so it gives people the op opportunity to look at that, and if they have any spiritual questions, if they have any desire to talk about something like that, it's an open door for them to talk to me, and it works really well. I also have opportunity when I'm at the shop to find out how people are really doing. How are you doing? How are you doing? And then people, for some reason, be, I guess because I listen, they'll tell me their stories, and so I'm able to encourage people and, and pray with them a lot of times at the shop. Customers that come in, vendors that come in, and there's been some, some great results of that. But also, uh, outside of the shop, um, years ago when, when, the, when the homeless people started flying signs on the corner, as they call them, and saying they wanted money, I would roll down my window and say, hey, buddy, why don't you get a job? Right? Because that's how I felt. It's like, why don't you work? Why, why, why should I give you money or whatever? And so I was very judgmental of, of people there. I literally made a judgment. Even when I didn't roll down my window and, and say that, I was thinking that. Um, somewhere along the way and asking the Lord who I could bless. I was like, who are the poor and needy among me, Lord, that I could bless? <laughs> and, and, you know, it was kind of like the Holy Spirit was like, there's your sign. <laughs> I'm going to stand them on the corner with a sign. You think you can get that? No. So now what I do, now what I do when I see somebody like that, I keep dollars in the console between my seat. They're dollars that I've given the Lord. So I don't even have to give my own money away. <laughs> I give these dollars to the Lord and then I roll up and I wave them down and call them over. You know those people standing there, it's a really tough thing. I've stood out there with them before and received the rejection of people's faces. Mm. It is really hard. 
and they take that all day long. And so as a light for Jesus, I call them over. I'm reaching out with money in my hand. And this is what I tell them. I was like, hey, my name's Ron. What's your name? Because I want to I acknowledge them as a person. And so I, I, I share with them just a little bit. Usually we don't have time, much time at the light. I don't hold people up behind me. And I'll tell, but I'll tell them this. It's like, I'm a praying man. And as I leave here, I'm going to pray for you. What do you want me to be praying for? And I don't know. You know, sometimes they'll give me something good. Sometimes they'll, they'll be like, hey, I want to, you know, have a great day making lots of money. I'll pray that for them. But those are one of the, that's one of the ways that I get to reach out to people. And the last one is, is something that I've, I particularly like, and it's, it's something I only do once a month. Uh, I get together with some friends and on Friday night, and we put on shirts that say prayer team, and we go to the party zone on 6th Street. And we walk 6th Street, and we pray for Austin. We pray for, for God to bring revival to Austin. We pray for God to bring peace to the city. We pray for uh, the homeless issues and the, and the victimization that goes on and all those things, all the things that come to our heart, uh, the are injustices in Austin. But then also, because we have these shirts on and they're bright orange, uh, people come up to us and they're like, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, glad you asked. <laughs> We're living questionable, right? <laughs> and, and so we have, we have multiple encounters of peop with people who are in need of prayer because very often that's what they're, they're actually looking for is for us to pray for them. We always offer that. Sometimes um, we encounter believers down there that are having hard things going on in their life. Sometimes they're unbelievers. Sometimes they're atheists who want to challenge what we're doing. But we only have one message for them, and that's Jesus loves you, and we're gonna, we can pray for you. Amen. We're, not, we're not judging them. We're not telling anybody they're doing wrong. Um, we're just giving, offering Jesus' love to them the same as he did to us. So that's probably one of my highlights of the month is, is getting to go and, and uh, just share with people there. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I think you and I would both agree that living the questionable life is not something that we're called to just do in isolation by ourselves and not uh, have support and community around it. So my question is, how does your church community help you live questionably? Yeah, so um, when I was, the way I ended up at Restore is I was actually looking for a church that I could invite people to that I met on 6th Street. Because a lot of the stories of people on 6th Street were like, you don't know what the church did to me. You don't know what it's like to walk into a church tatted up the way I am. You don't know what it's like to, to go into church with my significant other and be stared down by people. And, and I agree with them. I mean, it's just really a hard thing for them to be a part of a church community. And so I actually went to Google I went to the Lord first, and then I went to Google, <laughs> and I put, in some, I put in church, and then I put in some keywords, and, and those keywords were things like acceptance, those, uh, grace, um, homeless, and those kind of words, and restore came up, and so I, uh, I did some more research on it, and I came, I think it was actually the meeting before grand opening, yeah. I, I came here, and, and, and the Lord showed me, yeah, this is, this is where I want you to be, and I tell you that because... Um, Restore Church since that time. Um, I'm part of a Restore group in North Austin, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, and we are able to, um, our project or our, our partnership right now is um, with a foster family, and so we're able to bless a foster family, and that's a really, really 
really neat thing, something completely outside of what I would normally do. Um, but it gives me the opportunity to, to expand in that way. And also the partnerships, the other partnerships that um, Restore has, and, and Zach has people come up here and share with them. I've got to go and visit some of them and be involved with them. There's a, a, a partnership with Rework Austin, um, where homeless people are given jobs where they're able to make money and, and they have an opportunity to learn how to live the life that they want to live. Uh, and then uh, certainly community first, and I got to go out and visit them. They're doing wonderful things. Um, so it's the whole, I think, I think the best way for me to sum it up would be to say the whole mission of Restore Austin is restoring Austin, and it's living <laughs> that questionable life, and it's, it's the, the same method that we're talking about here. So it fits hand in glove with, with where my heart's at. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it's not all great stories and not all stories of um, successes and things when you're living questionably. It can be hard. And I, one of our values as a church is authenticity, and we always want to be very open about well, where we are and what we're going through and how life is not easy all the time. So what are some of the struggles in living questionably, Ron? Um, probably my biggest struggle is I'm an introvert. And for me to walk up to a stranger is kind of like jumping in cold lake in the morning, right? I mean, it is. I mean, it's just that much fun. Um, <laughs> but, but I like the result, and so, and so I go through it. I do that. And so that's hard. I'm an introvert, but I'm also, I can also be really lazy. You know, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just nice to just sit back and be comfortable and, and, you know, rely on some other things as opposed to being out there and being a part of it. But and, and so my biggest struggles really are, are within um, getting past that. But after having seen the results of, of, of God ministering to people in their lives, it, it's totally worth it. Yeah, so let me end by asking you that. What's your, what's your favorite story of a result, your favorite story of God working through you and living this questionable life? Yeah, so... Um, just like at the debates when some people got the questions ahead of time, I knew that was coming, right? So, so I got to, um, I've got so many stories. Oh my gosh, I've got so many stories. And so I had to pick one. And, and this one uh, happened down on 6th Street. And it was like uh, one Friday night. It was like probably 1130 at night. And there was a busker there. And she had her guitar and she had her guitar case out there. And she was playing some sad love song or something. Um, I didn't know this at the time. This gal's 19, and she was kind of a runaway because she had left in the middle of the night a year earlier because she wanted to be on her own and, and all that kind of thing. And so I went up there and put some green in her box, and, and uh, she finished her song and, and thanked me, and then she said, do you have any requests? And I'm like, yeah. I said, sing me a song about Jesus. And so she said, Okay. And so she sang a song that really surprised me what song it was. She sang Softly and Tenderly. Wow. Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was really touched. But she was touched even more. I mean, she was just all, all there. And so um, she finished her song, and I was like, that's really awesome. I said, that really touched me. I said, Do you, have, have you, has Jesus called you? Have you felt that? And she goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I said, have you answered him? And she goes, no. She said, I she said, I grew up in the church, and she said, I know all that stuff. She said, but I'm, I want, you know, I decided I wanted to live my life. And that's when she told me this story about running away. And she'd been on the road for a year, 
and she had some pretty bad things happen to her. And she said, mostly, she said, it sounds pretty glorious living on the road, but she said, mostly, um, I'm hungry and I'm broke. And I go from one situation to another. And she said, it's, it's not been good. I said, it looks to me like he's calling you tonight. I said, what, why would you answer, not answer his call? Is there some reason? And she goes, I, I, I've just not been ready. She said, I've just not been ready. I said, you ready now? And she's like, I think I am. So anyway, I got to spend some more time talking to her, and she prayed and asked the Lord to be her Lord, to come into her life. And she, I, I had another prayer partner with me, Ellen. And so when she got done praying, she was just so amazingly filled with joy. She's hugging Ellen and hugging Ellen. It's like, thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, so much for what you, for what you did. And it's just, just a huge blessing. She said, "There's a," she said, "My grandma." My grandma back in Pennsylvania has been praying for me. I know she has. I said, you need to go spend time with your grandma because, because she is God's connection for you. And so she said she was. The last I saw her, she said, I'm getting a bus. I'm going back up to Pennsylvania. So. Wow. Amazing, man. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. I want to pray for you before you go, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, oh, God, thank you for... Ron, thank you the fact that he is your son. Um, you have given him the righteousness of your son, Jesus, and he gets to carry that around with him, whether it's in his shop or on 6th or anybody that he interacts with. Thank you for the fact that, that that just overflows out of him. The grace and hope and love of your son, Jesus, is overflowing out of him at all times. And thank you for the lives that were changed, this young girl and so many others that he didn't even have time to mention. And I pray that as we hear this, I know that as I heard it, I'm encouraged and I'm challenged God to live in a more questionable way to allow you to work through me in your great mission of restoration. So thank you for Ron and thank you for sharing with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, brother. We do love you, Ron. So as we kind of wrap up this morning, I want to dive just a little bit deeper into the story that Ron just told us. Um, I've been down on 6th uh, with Ron one of those nights, and um, it really was, it was an incredible experience in so many ways. But I tell you what, the most incredible part of that experience was just watching Ron. Um, I, I purposely was in Ron's group. I kind of shadowed him the whole time. And just watching him over and over bless people by speaking love and encouragement and truth into their lives, just person after person after person. Even um, there was this one instance where a guy came up and he was obviously drunk and, and really belligerent and screaming and cussing at Ron and us. And, and Ron just kind of pulls him over to the side and just says, man, I just want to tell you that I love you, that Jesus loves you. And I'd love to talk more about this. And the guy was just like, I mean, you know, he, did, he couldn't understand why somebody would not respond in anger because of something like that. But the way that Ron allows Christ to bless people through him was truly incredible. And something truly incredible happens when we do that. When we surrender our wills and our lives to him and say, God, just bless people through me. I think the joy that they experience is probably only matched by the joy that we experience when we allow him to work through us. Webster defines this word bless as to provide a person with something good or desirable. But part of the etymology of that word, they had it defined as to add strength to another's arms. To add strength to another's arms. We have a, we have a lot to carry in this life. And it can be really heavy sometimes. It's, actually, it's been a 
a pretty heavy week for me. Um, on Monday night, uh, one of my friends from Dallas came in and, and spent the night with Amy and I. And um, he's, a, he's a young guy who feels this call to start a church, just like we've done here at Restore. And he's navigating that call with his wife and trying to figure out what it means and what the next steps are and all of those things. And in the middle of all of that, they lost their infant daughter. And as we sat on the couch, listening to him, it's just, just broken by this. I thought, man, life is heavy. It's heavy. And it's not fair that he has to carry that alone. And so just trying to speak truth and love into his life to, to add a little bit of strength to his arms. On Tuesday night, our Restore group met with one of our community partners. In fact, Ron just mentioned them, Rework. It's a one, our, our Restore group has this, um, our community partner is Rework. And so we went over to the, the Rework offices and we saw the places where um, the people experiencing homelessness come in and they learn how to woodwork. And we sat down with the director of the program and we listened to her just talk about how it can just feel hopeless what she does. As she sees person after person cycle in and cycle out, some of them start the program and they're there a few days and then they leave. And it seems overwhelming at times. And it's heavy. On Tuesday, uh, I found out that my grandmother had been admitted to the hospital um, with pneumonia, and then on Thursday morning, I woke up to a text message saying that she passed away in the middle of the night. It's just that quick. The heaviness of life can set on you and come over you and overwhelm you that quickly. And to try to carry it alone without somebody else adding that strength to your arms, guys, it's just impossible. It's impossible, and I know looking at your faces that if you've ever tried to do it, you know that it's impossible too. And I bet as I just walked through my week, some of the heaviness of your life came to mind. Maybe it's a job. You're working all the time, you feel stressed, you feel like you're, you're not making enough money or you're not getting the promotion that you need or it's keeping you from friends and family and it's, it's just heavy. Maybe it's a relationship boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, family member, something that's broken. It used to be right, but now it's wrong. And it's kind of affecting, that heaviness is affecting every other part of your life. Could be the holidays coming up. Thanksgiving's this week, Christmas is right around the corner, and maybe the holidays put you around people that you don't really love to be around. And that's heavy. Maybe the holidays don't put you around someone that you wish you were around, somebody that you've lost over the years somebody that you miss, and Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays just exemplifies that. Life is heavy, and people all around us are carrying the weight of it themselves in their own arms. But if we can bless them, if we can add some strength to their arms, I think it can make all the difference in their lives. But how do we do that? I'm gonna answer that question in two ways very briefly. The first way is theologically. So how do we bless someone theologically? How do we add strength to their arms? What does that mean? Well, the, the word bless is found throughout scripture, but one of the best known places is in Ephesians 1, verse three, and it simply says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that word blessed here is mentioned three times in that verse, so first, God the Father, is blessed. This seems obvious, right? He's the creator of the universe. He, he sustains the world. Every breath that we take is allowed by him. He's obviously blessed. Second, God the Father has blessed 
us. He's blessed us. Paul is writing this letter to all of the saints in Ephesus. Saints were simply people that had placed their faith in Jesus. So as you and I sit here this morning, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are a part of this us. God, the blessed one, the blessed father has blessed us. Third, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I want you to notice something about the way this verse is phrased at the end here. It's, it doesn't say that we will be blessed someday. It doesn't say that if we do enough good things or work hard enough that we will achieve blessing. No, it says we have been blessed we have been blessed. And for those of you uh, who didn't do so well in English classes like I did, um, I didn't do well. That came out wrong. I did poorly in English classes as well. I wasn't like a pompous, oh, get smarter. Um, for those of you like me who did not do very well in English classes, this phrase is in the present perfect tense. And that present perfect tense mean that it, it has happened, it is happening, and it continues to happen. We have been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places the moment we said yes to Jesus right now as we sit here and forevermore. We've been blessed in the heavenly places. We have been given everything. We have been blessed in Christ Jesus. Now listen, don't miss this. We just asked the question, how do we bless people? We must first realize that the fullness of our own blessing in Christ, we must first understand the fullness of our own blessing in Christ, and only then can we really allow that blessing to overflow to the world around us. Ron can be such a blessing to the people that he encounters because he understands that the blessings don't come from him. He's not manufacturing them with his own hands. He's not getting all ready before he goes out to meet with people on 6th Street and, and getting all the blessings ready. He said the dollars in his seat are not his, they're God's. He's given them to God. Everything that we have, every blessing that we've been given belongs to him. So allowing him to bless people through us is not of our own doing. It's of him. And the beautiful part about that is that it never runs dry. It never ceases when we're trying to bless people in our own hands, we're gonna run out of money real fast. We're gonna run out of effort and time. We're gonna run out of strength if it's our own. But if you are allowing the great blessed one, the father of the universe by his spirit who lives inside of you to bless others through you, that well never runs dry. Never, ever runs dry. So the second question we ask is, that's theologically, but how do we bless people Practically, and I think blessing generally falls into three categories. Words of affirmation, acts of kindness, and gifts. And these categories are talked about in greater detail in this Surprise the World book that we gave out to everyone last week. If you weren't here, this book is kind of what we're basing this entire commissioned series off of. And we so believe in this mission that God is on, this mission of restoration, we bought these books for every single one of you. So if you didn't get one last week or you weren't here last week, these are in our connection center. We really want you to pick one up, take it with you. It's a really short, beautiful read about these habits of missional people, how to interact, how to allow God to use you in his great mission. So these three categories are explained for there in here, but words, acts, and gifts, I think they're, they're fairly self-explanatory for us, right? Words 
are speaking kindness, speaking love, speaking encouragement into people's lives. Acts are ways that we serve people. Maybe it's mowing your neighbor's lawn. Maybe it's taking someone who can't drive to the grocery store. And gifts are things like buying drinks for the person in line behind you at the coffee shop or flowers for a loved one. So my challenge to us, and I say us because I'm talking about me too, my challenge to us this week is to bless three people. And it could be words, acts, or gifts, but I want us to intentionally bless three people this week. And I want one of them to be someone that you don't already know. Someone that you just allow God to bring into your life. It could be someone experiencing homelessness on the corner. It could be someone that you run into at a coffee shop. But whoever it is, whoever God brings before you, I want you to bless them. So in just a second, I'm going to give you a chance to take that first step in blessing three people. But before I do that, as we close, I want to call us back to the why behind all of this. We're called to bless people. We're called to add strength to their arms because life is heavy, too heavy to carry on our own. And the one, really the only one who can carry it for us is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And that's why he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, you've already experienced that rest. You've already had the strength added to your arms that you need to navigate the heaviness of this life. And that's the greatest of all the spiritual blessings that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1. Having this Savior, this person who indwells you, who lives inside of you by his Spirit, carry the heavy burdens of life with you. When we allow the Holy Spirit to bless people through us, even in little ways like kind words or flowers, it opens up opportunities for us to share about the ultimate blessing of Jesus with them. That's the why behind blessing people this week. In this book, Surprise the World, Michael Frost tells this amazing story about this exact thing. So I want to just read it for you quickly, starting on page 34. It says, two teams of short-term missionaries visited Thailand with distinctly different missional strategies. The team, referred to as the blessers, went with the intention of simply blessing people. They saw their mission as being to bless whomever came their way in whatever practical ways they could. Then, on the other hand, the converters went with the sole intention of converting people, evangelizing everyone that they encountered. The research found, perhaps unsurprisingly, that the blessers had far greater social impact. That makes sense, right? When short-term missionaries go with the intention of contributing to the social good of their context, their social impact will be high. But there was a second finding. They discovered that the blessers also had almost 50 times as many conversions as the converts. The blessers were 50 times more successful at helping people find their way back to God. This would surely be because of the point made earlier. When we live questionable lives, which clearly includes blessing strangers, we find ourselves being questioned by others. 
And that is when we have the best opportunity for sharing the hope of Christ within us. When we bless someone with a word, with an act, with a gift, many times their response is gonna be, thank you so much. Why did you do that? Because it's questionable, because it's countercultural, because it's different than what we expect or experience. The person experiencing homelessness on the corner expects you to just look straight ahead or ignore them when you walk by, when you drive by. When you roll down your window and you hand them some dollars and you say, what's your name? Let me hear part of your story. Can I pray for you? One of the first things that's gonna come out of their mouth is, why? And we have the beautiful opportunity to say, you're welcome. And the why is because Jesus has loved me so beautifully and so perfectly that I cannot help but share that love with everyone that I encounter. So the band is, is gonna come back up and lead us in our closing song. But as they do, I want you to grab this prayer card that's under your chair. So everyone's got one of these under your chair. So just reach down there, grab it, and grab the pen if you don't have one that's along with it. Prayer card and the pen. As the band comes up and as we close our gathering this morning, I want you to flip it over and I want you to write two names on the back of this card. Two names of people that you feel like God is asking you to bless this week. So as the band plays, as we sing, just spend some time praying. Ask God to put two people on your heart. Maybe he's already put them on your heart, on your mind as we've talked through this. But I want you to write those two names down right here. And then on the third one, I want you to either just draw a blank or a question mark or whatever. I want you to leave that open for that person that you don't yet know to come across your path that God is asking you to bless. And then whenever you're finished filling them out, as the song plays, you don't need to wait till the end. Right in the back, in our prayer area, right there, we've got these big baskets. And I'm just asking you to go back after you finish filling it out and lay it in that basket. Make that your offering to God today. Give that to him and our staff is gonna take these and we are gonna pray by name for every person that you write down and we are gonna pray for you by name. As this week you try to live this questionable life, you walk out in surrendered love for people. As you try to bless people, as you allow yourself to be led by God, know that we're praying for you. And not only that, we're praying for the people that God has laid on your heart to bless. And Ron and the rest of our prayer team are gonna be back there. And if you lay it down and you wanna stop and just pray with someone, maybe it's about a broken relationship that God's laid on your heart that you wanna write down that you need to bless. Maybe it's about anything and everything else. Maybe it's just about the general heaviness of life. We're gonna have some men and women back there who would love to pray with you just for a second as we close. Write those names down and then at any point during this next song, just walk it back there and lay it down. And I'm gonna do it with you. I'm just gonna pause and sit right here, fill this card out and I'll walk back there with you. Because this is not something that I'm just throwing out to you that we are just throwing out to you and being like, hey, go bless some people. This is something that we are all in together. So let me pray and let's jump in. God, thank you for oh, just the way that you love us. Just the way that you, like you said in Ephesians 1, have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. 
in the heavenly places. God, everything that we have, everything that we need is in you. Everything that we desire, all the ways that we want to bless people, we don't have to manufacture those things with our own hands. God, those are things that are already in us. And if we allow them to be worked through us, we can see joy on people's hearts, people's minds, and people's lives. And I pray that as we step out in faith and we bless three people this week, maybe it's at a Thanksgiving dinner or maybe it's someone on a street corner or maybe it's a a total stranger at a coffee shop or a family member that we've known our entire lives, whoever it is and however it looks, God, I pray that it would allow for questions to be asked and us to share the love of Jesus with people who are hurting. And it's in his matchless name we pray. Amen.